there. Welcome to Jake's place. Overlooking the beautiful north shore of Lake Erie. I'm your host, Tia McGrath, and this is my podcast for storytellers. Well, thank you for stopping by Jake's Place today and joining us for Season 4, Episode 6 of our wonderful podcast show. Tommy and I are so excited to be sitting with you today, and also it is it is beginning to feel a little like Christmas, isn't it, Tommy, out there? It's really cold outside. <laughs> Minus uh, 13, 13 Celsius. So the Lake Erie may be starting to freeze and the uh, ice fishermen will be happy. Um, we have in our studio today with us Miss Savannah May. <laughs> she's joined us and right now she's drinking from her water bowl and slobbering as Catahoula curs tend to do. So <laughs> come on in, Savannah. <laughs> um, today I want to talk, this has been something that's on my heart, and do you ever have one of those times in your life where you really know that the universe is trying to teach you something? These things, these little lessons keep happening over and over again through different people, maybe through animals, maybe through just thoughts or pictures, but for me it's perspective. Are you guys encountering the same thing right now? that as we wind up 2023, and I gotta admit, this has been like a really grueling year for us. We've, we've lost Tommy's brother, we've lost my mom, things, you know, in the world. With great friends. Great friends. Things in the world are, you know, there's war. But if we stop and look around and change our perspective, you can see the beautiful miracles that are going on. There's a Bible verse, Job 9.10, says, Of all the miracles God works, we cannot understand a one. And how true that is. Today's science can explain a lot of the hows and whys, but it is still quite remarkable to sit back and just, you know, look at the sky and wonder, how, how does all that happen? How do the clouds, how do the sun, how does the moon, how do the birds, right? Big things, little things, ordinary miracles. And um, sometimes we just have to change our perspective to see them. And I found this online, on, um, and I thought, what a wonderful perspective this, this, these people have. In Argentina, there's a restaurant called Restobar Dickens with a sign that says, We ask all our customers with all our hearts not to be upset by the number of stray dogs that may be in the restaurant. We are a pet-friendly place, and we give water, food, and lots of love to these sweet angels. I'm sorry if it bothers you, but they're not doing anything wrong. They're just looking for food or shelter. Thank you very much. And they have a picture of dogs sitting in chairs eating with the people. <laughs> That's cool. With the, with the patrons. Now, there's someone with a great attitude, right? And... Um, you know, you can just imagine the couple that goes in there and they're expecting something different and then they see there's dogs roaming around, stray dogs. Right, right, right. And uh, they have to change their perspective real quick or leave. <laughs> <laughs> or go home and get their dogs. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah, awesome. And sometimes changing perspective means turning your, your losses into wins. Maybe you're not really losing something right now, but you are gaining something by letting go. Have you ever heard of these famous failures? George Washington lost two-thirds of all the battles he fought, 
but he won the Revolutionary War and later became the first U.S. president. Napoleon graduated 42nd in a class of 43. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like me and my painting competition. Yeah, yeah. My very first painting competition, I got third place, at, but I was out of three. <laughs> <laughs> then he went and conquered Europe. In 21 years, Babe Ruth hit 714 home runs, but he struck out 13 and 30, 1,330 times. Jeez. He struck out nearly twice as often as he hit a home run. The famous novelist John Creasy received 753 rejection letters before he published 564 books. Wow. Wow is right. Great people are simply ordinary people who have an extraordinary amount of determination. That's how you reduce your fear of failure. You redefine it. And a lot of this I got from my Daily Hope with Rick Warren daily uh, meditations. I just love reading Rick Warren's daily meditations. So thank you, Rick Warren, for sharing all that. And um, we ran into something similar this week. We went into our local grocery store. It was a Sunday afternoon. And we were kind of, you know, hectic, running around, not paying attention to the ordinary miracles, just kind of bustling around. And we went into the grocery store, and they have clementines there. Now, I love clementines at Christmas time. It just reminds me of Christmas. And I said, oh, look, Tommy, clementines. Clementines are Christmas, and Christmas is clementines. <laughs> <laughs> and all of a sudden, this this beautiful, uh, well-dressed man says, well, you have a singer's voice. I bet you're a soprano. And I said, are you a singer? And he says, well, I'm Italian. <laughs> <laughs> I sang in the old country. And we got talking, and he said, you know, would you look around this? He said, he said, would you just look around this grocery store? He said, I came from Italy to Canada, and I just am so amazed. I never, I've never stopped losing the joy in, in what we have here. And he said, and how many people you hear complaining about what we have and what we don't have? And he said, just look at this grocery store. We're in the Garden of Eden. <laughs> and honestly, Tommy, as soon as he said it, I looked around, and the and this sounds real corny, but the oranges seemed more orange. The, you know, the tomatoes were bright red. And I looked around the grocery store for the first time in a long time and just went, wow. You know, I'm not looking at the high prices, the escalating prices, or, you know, what's not in season right now, but it just looked amazing and abundant and there you go change your perspective right um at the end of the conversation his wife walked up and she immediately recognized you and said your name and as soon as you she said your name the the gentleman goes oh it's you i remember him doing that that's right they cooked for us they said they had cooked for us at an event somewhere and we're still racking at one of our concerts they said yeah all the wonderful people we get to meet in the world. And we're going to play a song right now that, speaking of wonderful people, we, like Tommy said, this year has been a loss for us of some, some wonderful people. And we just lost a songwriter friend of ours, Mark Elliott from Nashville. 
And Mark was in one of our Bluebird rounds. We had the opportunity to to hear and listen and enjoy and savor his songs and tales about a year ago at the Bluebird Cafe in Nashville. And at the time, Mark played a song with Wood Newton that they had written together called Love Is. So we reached out to Wood and asked him for permission to include Love Is in today's podcast episode. Here's to two amazing men, two amazing humans with the most beautiful perspective on life. What's worth the trouble? What's worth the pain? What's worth driving yourself insane? Love is. Oh, love is What's the use in trying Nothing seems to work What's the use in crying But even the crying hurts Oh, love is Oh, love is
It's a great song. Love is, oh my gosh, I can hear so many, so many big country artists recording that one, Tommy. And thank you again to our friend Wood Newton for giving us permission to include the song today. And today's episode is sponsored by Global Pet Foods, 50 Dundurn Street South in Hamilton, Ontario. Global Pet Foods, eat, play, love. And that's exactly what we love to do. Eat, play, love. (laughs) And share our songs and tales events where the tale begins. We were recently in Jarvis Public School sharing our Jake the Road Dog songs and tales with 150 plus middle grade students. And oh my gosh, Tommy, wasn't that something when you looked out and you saw we're playing Crazy Beautiful and they've created a Crazy Beautiful wave. In the air, waving their arms, it was just spectacular. This is what it's all about. We just love sharing the gift of inspiration through music and and word. And then we headed down to Global Pet Foods in Hamilton for our Songs and Tales event. And while we were there, I had the opportunity to chat with one of the staff members, Erin Britton, who's very knowledgeable. In fact, she calls herself a fear-free professional. And I just thought that was the coolest thing. So I had to talk with her. Now talk about perspective, right? Perspective on life, a fear-free professional. How positive is that? So I had an opportunity to chat with Erin about some Christmas ideas for your pet that will inspire and last long past the ribbons and bows. Hi everyone, I am so excited to be here at Global Pet Foods, 50 Dundurn Street South in Hamilton, Ontario. And today I'm talking with Erin. Hello. And she's going to share with us some of the amazing gift ideas that you guys have in store for your pets, for dogs and cats. That's right. That not only are fun for them to enjoy, but they also promote good behavioral health and stress reduction as well. Absolutely, yes. Erin, take it away. keeps on giving. Right, exactly. Because treats, it's a one and done kind of thing. But this stuff uh, can really last quite a long time. And there's lots of different options to help our dogs really get into their instinctive, Mm. evolutionarily programmed behaviors like foraging and scavenging and finding their food and their treats. And it can really help actually reduce stress and keep them busy while you're on that Zoom call or you have family members over or whatever's going exactly. on for your holidays. So right. my personal favorite is I really like these really nice soft snuffle mats. We've got a very cute little pizza one here that's a foreign one. Oh, look at and that. Yeah, isn't that adorable? That is adorable. You can hide those treats in there. Aww. I know my cat and my dog love their snuffle mat. As soon as I like, snuffle, they run over to it. Aww. But you can also get the more difficult puzzle toys where it's really asking them to use their brains problem solve a little bit, figure out how to get that food, uh, and it can really, really help keep them busy for a little while. And like you said, the gift that keeps on giving and keeps growing with the pet, right? Yeah, absolutely. So come on down to Global Pet Foods, 50 Dundurn Street, South Hamilton, and the shelves are literally busting with all kinds of gift ideas. Thank you, Erin. Thank you. Happy holidays. You too. Thank you. Someone important 
forever best friend <laughs> and one of my very forever best friends is Taylor Pye. Do you remember we were talking about some of the wonderful interviews we've had the uh, the opportunity to capture while, be, while we've been on the road remotely? Well this is another one of them and Taylor Pye is an American folk singer songwriter from Jacksonville, Texas better known as Susan Taylor, a founding member of the Pozo Seco Singers. She's had cuts with everyone from Bette Midler to Mickey Gilly to Tanya Tucker, the Oak Ridge Boys. It goes on and on and on and on. And Pi has recently been the subject of a 2020 documentary called Nobody Famous, set against the backdrop of a socially and politically volatile 60s. Nobody Famous traces a quick rise and steady fall of 60s folk pop trio, the Pozo Seco Singers. 
recounted through the current day lens of former member Taylor Pye. She asks us to call her pie. Her friends call her pie. I call her humble pie because Tommy and I. (laughs) That's great. (laughs) Humble pie. She is. (laughs) This lady is so incredible. We met her. She invited us to perform at one of her house concerts in Liberty, Tennessee. We didn't even know. She She didn't even brag on herself. She's not like one of those artists where you show up and you spend half an hour listening to who who I am, who I am, this is what I've done, dropping names. No, Pi is more interested in hearing about yourself. She is more interested in learning about the singer-songwriters that she's working with. But today we're going to learn about Taylor Pi in our interview set in Liberty, Tennessee. Hi, it is so great to be back at Liberty Arts with you today. Thank you for taking time to share your songs and tales with us. Oh, it's so good to have you and Tommy back amongst us. (laughs) Uh, What a vision you have for this lovely old house. Would you share with us what Liberty Arts is all about? Oh my, well, uh, what it started out to be was to bring artists such as yourselves to Liberty, Tennessee, which is sort of in the outback of Tennessee. When I first moved here and bought this house, uh, it was one of the two poorest counties in Tennessee. Mm -hmm. We've now moved up to third poorest county in Tennessee. Well, that's good. See, now we're not as poor as we were when we were the second poorest. So we're up up a level from from that. So we're a little bit away from that. But... I felt like, wouldn't it be nice if people who live here, who either couldn't afford to drive to Nashville or to Knoxville, could hear and, and see folk music and, and traditionalist singers and acoustic players who travel all over the world and yet mm-hmm. love this area so much, maybe because of Nashville being 60 miles away, they would come here and play while they're in town. Right. And it worked. And of course, folk music yes. in Nashville Traditionally, the four-letter word. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so it's it's apropos that you've kind of set it a little side outside of Nashville yes. too. So yes. that's beautiful. Sixty miles away, but only you know, we're about forty-five minutes from the airport. So that's yeah, that's great. Yeah, that's great. Um, if these walls could sing, what would be their favorite song? Hmm. Um, um, wow. It would probably be Jubal. Uh-huh. Jubal. A song about a dog. Oh, yay. Yeah, I mean, that, that would be it. And, you know, I, now I fit in my And this is totally back. off the cuff, folks. <laughs> this is, wow, cool. To- totally a dog song. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Share yeah. that with us, would you? Um, Jubal was the first dog that I met when I I moved back to Tennessee for I don't know which time because I, I was in and out of here in the 60s and then 70s and then I moved to the Northeast. I, mm-hmm. But in the late 80s, I decided that if I wanted to buy a piece of land and live there for the rest of my life, where would it be? Mm-hmm. And I chose this area because it's uh, the oldest mountain range in the world is the Appalachian Range. And I love the music in Appalachia, and I've—it's close to Nashville. So if you could get a song cut, wouldn't it be nice? Mm-hmm. And there you go. I could drive sixty miles into town and take my songs and maybe interest people. And mm-hmm. so that's what drew me back here. And Jubal 
I came home late one night. It was about 2 o'clock in the morning because I'd been to see Jesse Winchester. Oh. It lied oh. in Nashville. Yeah. Oh, it was Hello. a fabulous fact. And I'd taken my album and even signed it. It was so neat. And so I come home and I'm walking up to the house and I this old wraparound porch on this 1926 farmhouse I'd bought out on a creek. And I see this dog and I go, ooh, you're not supposed to be here. And he jumps off the porch and it's about half dark. I couldn't really tell what kind of dog he was he just looked like a big dog yeah and so i shoot him away i thought he was gone i went in i went to bed i got up the next day walked out on the porch and thought oh what a beautiful morning and then i walked to the edge of the porch and i looked down and there he was all snuggled up against the porch yeah just like breathing kind of light his eyes kind of looking up to say i hope she doesn't see me she doesn't run me (laughs) off again and I went, Dad, burn it. I told you I don't want a dog. I can't have a dog. I travel around. I'm a minstrel. You can't stay. Uh, dog would not go home. I kept trying to run. I didn't feed him. No, uh-huh. no. He was looking kind of like he had a lot of burrs in his fur. Mm-hmm. Big kind of guy. Looked part collie, maybe a little mix in there. And and I was out working in the garden about three days later, and I thought, no, I'm not. You can get water out of the creek, but I'm not going to feed you because I don't want a dog. And I got really sweaty up, and I took my gloves off, and I had my bare hand down next to my leg, and I was wiping my brow with my other hand. And suddenly on the backs of my fingers, on the hand that was bare, I felt this nose, oh. this wet cold nose Mm -hmm. touch me ever so lightly and then kind of tap me a couple of times like hey I won't bite you and I thought about my words to him and then you could take my arm off if I got too close to you I am not going to pet you I don't (sighs) even know you and I spent the rest of the day pulling ticks off of him and making a meal for him and 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 I don't know I named him after the first musician in the Bible he was my first dog in Tennessee Jubal that was him there you go the story of Jubal Wow. (laughs) I made myself cry. (laughs) Yeah, so this house makes me think of Jubal. Yeah. Yeah. For some reason. That's probably why we're so attracted to it. It's a dog house. It is a dog. It's a dog house. It's a dog house. (laughs) Yeah. We're road dogs. We are road dogs. (laughs) Jubal, 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 won't you come on home, boy, Jubal. Jubal, Jubal, won't you come on home? Well, there's old Jubal in the tall Joe Pie Waiting on a rabbit come a-hopping by Gonna catch him a big one and give him a chew Keep him from the garden like good dogs do Jubal, Jubal Jubal, won't you come on home, boy, Jubal, 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 won't you come on home? Yeah, there's old Jubal running through the creek, he's fast as lightning, he's a blur, he's a streak, he's multicolored and his eyes are brown, no pedigree, he's just an old hound, Jubal. Jubal, won't you come on home, boy, Jubal, 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 won't you come on home?
laid on the porch and he licked my hand and I kept the watch. I did not fail till he got better and he wagged his tail. Jubal, 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 won't you come on home, boy? Jubal, 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 won't you come on home? Take him on a walk down Dry Creek Road I'll be his best friend I won't walk fast Dig his grave in the shade When he breathes his last Jubal, Jubal, Jubal Won't you come on home, boy? Jubal, Jubal, Jubal Won't you come on home? So, Pi, it goes without saying that I am where we're sitting <laughs> in the presence of folk singer-songwriter royalty. You are one of the few artists I know who has a documentary based on your life and music. Can you please tell us about the journey behind the documentary and what it means to you? Uh, oh, my. Well, I had no idea that this was even happening, but I have a friend who's also my partner at Puff Bunny Records and also is part of my partnership in, in my publishing company because she has so been so beneficial in helping things stay funded so that we could keep moving forward. She was able to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and she did this behind my back. She went to... Julian Honatsky, who was working with us at the time on videos and other things, and said, I want to do a, a documentary on Pi because I feel like she was overlooked and um, there needs to be a record of what she's done. And so they conspired behind my back. <laughs> and when I finally was told, and they said, Well, we're going to make a documentary on you, I went, like, Why? And they went, well, because. And I said, but why? I'm not anybody famous. And eventually that's what ended up being what it was Mm -hmm. called, Nobody Famous, which made me proud of it because, thank you, uh, I was actually grateful to have not been uh, subjected to the things that I saw many of people who I knew uh, in the music business that became famous and stayed famous and got more famous and more famous and more famous, and now they're so famous that they're, like, untouchable anymore. Mm-hmm. Humble pie. Yeah. Our just, humble pie. Well, it's hard to live your life that way, It's mm-hmm. uh, and I just didn't want to. I, li- I like being So, um, yeah, easy, so, so easy. it was, so it, you made a choice, though, as well. Like, you could have fought for it, maybe, a, or not fought, fought against it. Well, I thought I was fighting <clears throat> for it by saying, look, I know who I am as an artist and doing things. But when people would bring me songs, for instance, the documentary talks about a song that was brought to me. And in my looking at it, even as a 19-year-old 
young woman in the 60s, in the late 60s, I felt like um, this is a, a woman saying she's a victim, but it's okay. Mm-hmm. And I felt like something inside me just said, no, I can't. I can't sing that. Right. Honestly, because I don't feel that way. I feel like that's maybe wrong for us to do that. What, can you give us an example of a song subject that they presented to you that um, you turned down? <clears throat> Angel of the Morning. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. By Juice Newton. Uh, Who, right? No. Well, Just she didn't write it. Angel. Yes. No, she had, she eventually recorded yes. it. Yeah. 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 Right. She had the yeah. big hit on it. Yeah. One of yeah. them. I think Merrily Rush had another one. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Had another one. Yeah. It was a big song. Yeah. And I, and I knew it would be. And I told them that. I said, you're right. It will be a hit. But mm. I can't sing this song. And the flack that I got, the feeling of, ooh, I had transgressed was huge. Mm-hmm. And I think that sometimes when we say no to things, um, like once I was doing a, a mini pad commercial, mm-hmm. and the producer came out to me and said, uh, ah, honey, honey, can, can, can you sing this with a little more smile in your voice? And <laughs> I, I looked him straight in the eye in New York City. It's what I'm saying in New York City. And I said, have you ever had a period? <laughs> and, of course, he jerked his neck back and went, oh, oh, no. And then I could see that I had really touched a nerve, and he was pissed off at me. And I said, well, it's not any fun. I'm sorry. I was trying That's to right. And he walked back in, and you know, i got to tell you, that was one of the last commercials I ever got in New yeah. York. And I was doing very well in the commercial market. Mm-hmm. And it took one time of mm-hmm. saying out loud what was really going on in my mind about it. So my problem has been that I'm just too honest with what no, I'm feeling. No, I can, I can attest to that. <laughs> yes, ma'am. Yes, sister. It's, and they it, label us difficult. Oh, now she's a, you know, a, uh, that oh, word. Oh, yeah, the word. Yeah. Bleep. Yeah. What she's saying. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Tommy and I wrote one of our first songs in Nashville, Outside of the Circle. Yeah. And Tommy had a publishing deal on the row, and I walked in, and one day after having a publishing meeting where I think the publisher told me, you know, we tell Canadians, go blankety home. Anyway, I walked in, and I said to Tommy, if I hear this one more time that I can't say this in Nashville in a song, and Tommy says, I think we need to put that in a song. (laughs) And we wrote our song outside of the circle. That's great. I love it. (laughs) Yeah, so, yes, sister. Yeah. Yes, sister. Yeah. Yep. Those and, moments. And, and we've lived to tell about them. Absolutely. Right? And still playing music. And hopefully inspiring songs, yeah. new generations to, uh, of, of singer-songwriters to stand up and tell their truth and tell their story and not be afraid, right? That's right. Yes. 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 Okay. Awesome. You have a treasure chest of stories, which you've just shared, a couple, in, and, uh, about the 60s and 70s folk music movement. And there's one in particular you, you were telling us about the other day, the Kent State University tragedy. Do you want to tell us about that? Because that was something that I found really, really interesting and in how it changed folk music and, and also social, um, like college, college and everything, didn't it? It did. And college concerts were the staple of folk singers. I mean, when we signed with Albert Grossman, he gave us the ability to stop working at our jobs and just practice for like 
several months to get our act together, to get enough of a repertoire together to actually do a two-hour concert on the road before they ever let us open for anybody, like Gordon Lightfoot. We opened for Gordon, we opened for Odetta, um, and then we were headlined for a few people. I've never heard we played with the first edition, Kenny Rogers, right? Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. they opened for us, mm. and they still went on first because they had drums and a bass, right? Right, so we said, yoga first, right. And then the second time we played with them, they were the headliners. And we were, <laughs> yeah. so, but it was great, because back in those days, we were all camaraderie, because we were all original folk musicians. Because yes, right. Kenny was a, with the folk groups, you know, big, those, you know, like Christy Minstrel kind of oh, groups, yeah. you know, yeah. and like that. So <clears throat> that's what was going on. And then when Kent State happened, suddenly, all of the college concerts stopped. We knew it early because we were booked to play Kent State the week after the shootings at Kent State when the, when the kids were killed. Mm -hmm. So it was canceled first. And then we watched other state uh, schools because we played almost every college concert series in the United States except for two states. Well, three counting Hawaii. We never made it there. Right. But the other two states we didn't play in the 60s were Mississippi and Alabama. Mm -hmm. And that was because I told management that I personally would not play in those two states mm -hmm. because I actually feared for myself. Right. Because I can't keep my mouth shut sometimes. Right. Right. And I felt yeah. like what was happening could endanger myself right. by just being honest. And your band, moment. probably. And yeah. my band. Mm -hmm. So we never played Mississippi and we never played Alabama yeah. uh, in the 60s. Uh, but that was, that was wow. where, it, where it started. And then when that happened, when that dried up, it was started becoming more difficult to find gigs that played folk music. Yeah. Because it was as if folk music itself was being banned in a way. Right. Wow. So um, in the documentary, the, this, the story that stuck out to me was the leaving on a jet plane story. Do you want to talk about that? With John Denver. Yeah. Yes, John yes. John Denver. Because Tommy's a Coloradian. So. Yeah, they, another person that used to open for us at the cellar door, and then suddenly we were opening for him. <laughs> it was great. But it was great. I loved John. He was very sweet. Um, and we were having dinner, I remember, one night in New York City, and we had, a, we had a, a session booked that night. And we went to dinner, and we had a few drinks together, and I got a little sloppy there at the recording session. You know, you'll have the extra last class because you're going to go now. And then you get there, and it hits you just about there. So I was having a little trouble staying on pitch. <laughs> but I meant it. I, I got it together. I got my brain in gear. And John was hanging out with us for a while. Come to find out the next day that Warner Brothers was at the same time at Columbia. We were cutting jet planes. So was Warner Brothers with Peter, Paul, and Mary. So being with the same management, it we, you know, which I didn't care about at all because I felt like their version was the best. It was. Mm. Mary just, she nailed it. Uh, she nailed that song. Uh, and so I never cared about that. But it was just interesting to me that on the same night you're with the management the two of your acts are recording the same thing yeah in the right studio and, right and no one's talking to each other it was the beginning of understanding that people don't really talk to each other a lot about big business they just make decisions and then do them right right without telling each other yeah. sometimes yeah, yeah. They just do them 
Wow. I mean, literally, I remember when, living, when I lived in New York, I thought I had a deal with uh, RCA Victor. had a, what was their publishing called? Gold Star, something like that, RCAs. Yeah. So, saw those people, they were all excited, yes, and we said, and mm-hmm. made a deal with me for the next week. Next Thursday, we'll have a deal come, we're going to give you $10,000 up front, do a songwriting deal for you. We get to the building back the next week, we walk in, we go up to the, the thing, and we notice half the lights are off, and I'm wondering why. We walk up, where's the person at the front desk? And they said, oh, you haven't heard? No, we're shut down now. We're closing the office down. Wow. There. No one even called me to tell me. That was Gosh. a weird, that was a very strange experience because I thought, wow, yeah. did you tell anybody that works here that? Yeah, right. I wonder if they all showed up and they live here in New York and they're really depending on this job. Yes, wow. absolutely. It was very yeah. weird. Yeah, that, that's really weird. Did you ever find out what happened? Never did find out. <clears throat> I mean, I mean, it was just like the, the boom fell yeah. and, and when they were, yeah. people were carrying boxes out. I mean, they were, Yeah. Jeez. no yeah. one ever called anybody. That's, and told that's them, wild. So. Yeah. So the universe was actually looking out for me, yes. keeping me from being nobody famous, just in case I got tempted too much. So you could have your documentary <laughs> made. Yes. Yes. <laughs> right? That's how I'm looking at it. I mean, I'm taking that road with it. That's, that's it. right. That's the way I'll go out saying it. That's it. And Tommy and I can one day be nobody famous, too. Yes, there you go. We're all nobody famous. And grateful for it. Right? Yes. Because we're still here. Right? And we are here. Yeah, we this are is here. great. In Liberty, Tennessee. Yeah. And we're having a blast today uh, with Pi Taylor. This is just amazing. Here is a question. Um, how would you compare being an LGBTQ singer and songwriter in the 60s and 70s to now? Well, I think LGBTQ... Q people just have a hard time right now because we felt like in our society, I think, amongst everybody that I've ever talked to, like these are good things, the changes we're making to take stigma away from things that really don't need to have it Mm -hmm. since it's a personal preference for people. And if they're not bothering you with it, then what is your issue about it? And... Back in the 60s, it just didn't, it didn't seem to be the same kind of issue, even though we would hear about it, but we didn't see it out loud. Now, the prejudice and the bigotry that is being exhibited is, I mean, if you look at Hitler, if you look at Italy and the fascism, <clears throat> the first people that were put in cattle cars were people who were somehow mm-hmm. different gender-wise and sex, they made the sexuality. Those were the per- first people put into cattle cars and moved off to the camps. Then it was people perhaps of ethnicity or Jewish or other things that came after. But the first people that went, those people they could really pick on right. and find easy. Right. And, they, and, and everybody could have a, something about it. Mm-hmm. So I think what surprises me is the venom that's in people. Yeah. About differences in sexuality. Mm -hmm. And as we were talking one day, the indigenous people all over the world, many of the tribal people, honor all kinds of different sexual beings. Absolutely. They recognize and honor. That's right. To think that there's only male in our species and female is wrong. Mm -hmm. I personally have a friend who was born with both organs. Mm hmm. Male and female. Mm-hmm. And parents made the decision because the parents were told 
at birth that the baby will do better if we do it now. Right. I don't know about the rest of it. I don't make a judgment on that. I'm just saying that that that's not abnormal. It happens to people. It happens. It's just a not lot. a common happening. That's right. Perhaps, but yeah. it happens. Mm-hmm. And why we make that something to be prejudiced about, or to be hateful about, or shameful about? It's 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 I I I don't understand. That. No, I don't no. understand that. So you would say that now it's more ramped up, more heightened. I up. think just against that community, no matter what your job is. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's against the that particular community is they're the first ones right now that are really taking the yeah. flack. There's a lot of and we don't want to go down this dark road, but there's there's a lot of meanness in the world right now. Like there there's there to me uh, we had a conversation last night with a friend and we were talking about the the meanness that that people being open about it. And yet I also see there's also an openness and love and understanding and compassion. And so while you have, maybe it's social media because people can hide behind their meanness on social media and, and call themselves whatever they want to call themselves as their name. And then they put it out there. But then you have the people of light who are sharing their good deeds and trying to make the world a better place, like you here with your Liberty Arts. And, you know, maybe that's why it's so ramped up now. People are, because of the social media, right? It's, it's more present, more available to the world, right? Whereas before, people used to say it in their small communities or hide it, maybe more so. Well, I've know. never seen us quite have the uh, differing of opinions in, in our public airwaves in this country um, quite like we have it now mm-hmm. where people actually tell lies to people on the air on national broadcasting mm-hmm. systems on world broadcasting mm-hmm. systems and swear that it's the truth and yet they themselves know it's a lie right. and they've admitted to it yeah they've been indicted for it and they've been convicted and paid money some of these new services they've yeah. paid for the fact that they have lied and done, and yet they continue to do it, and people still watch it and think it's true. Right, right. And just like you have experienced people mentally ill who need help, who have fallen into the category of the people they're preying on. Right. Because they scare them, they tell them they're being victimized, and these people believe it because they're already so fragile. Yeah, and yeah. so it's easy to blame people who aren't like you. Let's yeah. take the first ones out there, weirdos with purple hair who march in the streets and want to be together and they're the wrong sex or whatever it is. Yeah. You know? yeah. Let's beat them up. Yeah. yeah. It's not just our country now. Now we look at it all over. Oh. Venezuela, South America is just so many places now. Why do we see all the people from South America come out? We see people from... Uh, 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 Afghanistan that couldn't get out in time, Mm -hmm. that worked with our government, that finally escaped. They had to go all the way to South America somewhere to make the southern border to come in. Right. And they're doing that. Does that not tell us how bad it is in the whole world that people still think it's better to come here to the U.S.? Yeah. And, you know, it it all goes back for me, you know, God so loved the world, and we love everyone. Everyone's God's child. 
That's what I believe. Love, love, love. Love, love, love. love, love. That's it. Yeah. And on that note, thank you, Pi Taylor. Thank you for coming and being with me. Where do you go when there's no place to turn And you lean on a wall watching your bridges burn What do you do? Breaking every word and every heart that you touch When nothing rings true Tell me about you We've known each other long enough for me to tell you That I love you and I always will When I see you like this lost and frightened Well now, I just can't sit still When you lie down, do you drift off to sleep? Or do monsters from the past start chasing your sheep? When dreams don't come true about you friends 
why don't you send us a letter, an email, a message just telling us how you're doing, how how something in your life has changed your perspective, maybe from the glass is half empty to the glass is half full, or taking those lemons and making lemonade, how you're going to spend the holidays. Maybe you want to share a favorite cookie recipe with us or something about your favorite forever fur baby. We thank you so much for joining us today. What an incredible show. Uh, Thank you, Tommy, for all your editing and all your recording, professionalism, and just being you lighting up the studio. (laughs) Thank you. We also want to thank our sponsors today, Global Pet Foods, Dundurn Street in Hamilton, and Boreal Pet Food. We just love Boreal Pet Food and our fur babies, Miko, Savannah May, and Dottie Lynn are enjoying their Boreal Pet Food. So thank you very much, and you have a great day, and we'll see you soon here at Jake's Place Songs and Tales. Tom and I are just tickled to death that you took time out of your busy schedule to stop by and visit us today at Jake's Place Songs and Tales. We hope you enjoyed the show and will consider becoming a subscriber. You can find us and subscribe at your favorite podcast provider. And again, thank you Global Pet Foods for sponsoring this episode of Jake's Place Songs and Tales. Global Pet Foods, where our pets are undeniably part of the family. And to Pure Wet Wipes, you can find them at purewetwipes.com. No water, no problem. Pure Wet Wipes will take care of your monster pet messes. And Boreal Pet Foods, healthy nutrition for pets. And I'd like to personally say a four-paw applause to Tommy Parham for taking care of all of our audio and mixing engineering. If you're interested in becoming an underwriter or would just like to drop us a line, we'd love to hear from you. Please send all your feedback, comments, inquiries, ideas for future shows to tiamagraph.com forward slash Jake's Place. There you'll find our comments section, as well as our Lake Country store. Check out some of our cool merchandise, Jake the Road Dog Book, and of course our CDs. You mean the world to us, and Tom and I are just so thankful to be sharing this beautiful road dog journey with you, one paw print at a time. Until our next episode, let yourself be crazy beautiful, find the song in your heart, and hey, still some meat on that bone, Jake.